Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. You're about to hear a wonderful interview with Adam Rifkin, a terrific filmmaker and a good friend. Um, since we recorded this, Adam's had two movies come out. Uh, we make reference in the episode to Dog Years. The title for Dog Years has been changed to The Last Movie Star. Uh, it recently came out. It stars Burt Reynolds. It is great. Rush to your local theater or to iTunes or wherever better movies are purchased and downloaded and check it out. And uh, his other film that we talk about in this interview, in fact, in which we lament the fact that it does not have distribution, has in fact been picked up and is getting distributed. And by the time you hear this, we'll be out director's cut starring Penn Jillette. Also wonderful. Here it is, our interview with Adam Rifkin. I'm happy to Look have... at me. I met Adam Rifkin. <laughs> but anyway. I, was, uh... I had a question about something that you may know the answer to. It's just something that I couldn't, I couldn't remember the... Name of the guy who did the trailer voices for most of the 70s movies. He talked well, like this. There were 70s movies and there were 70s movies. There was a guy it named Adolf worked. Caesar, who was a black guy. Is he the one that an did, actor who did Jaws? The... Yes. Or, oh, you know, yes. That's and Adolf Caesar. the Blues Brothers. That's yes. Adolf Caesar. They're on a mission, they're on a mission yeah. from God. That, yeah. that guy, what was his name? Adolf Caesar. Adolf He's Caesar. He's got a very good part in uh, that uh, soldier's story. Is that the title? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was uh, he he's the, great? Um, in it. Oh great. Was he the? He died the, very. He died right. Was after he the Arlie Ermy part? And uh, yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he. he I, I knew. I had a feeling you would know the name. That's so funny. That's great. Say his name one more time. Something Caesar. Adolf. 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 Two dictators in one name. That's amazing. That's turns out high hopes. Hi, I'm Josh Olson, and you're listening to The Movies That Made Me, the official podcast of Trailers from Hell. We're uh, here in our spacious studio in Hollywood today with the, the very great writer and director, uh, Riff Coogan. Um, <laughs> Uh, who also goes by the name occasionally of Adam Rifkin. Adam is a uh, uh, not just a terrific filmmaker, he's a good friend. He uh, burst on, at least, uh, he burst on my scene with, I don't know, probably the best movie, uh, at least one of the best movies about a stand-up comedian with an arm growing out of his back, um, <laughs> The Dark Backward. Uh, we're also here with uh, Joe Dante, um, the great Joe Dante. Joe, you would know, is there a better film about a stand-up comedian with an arm growing out of his back no i think uh i think adam pioneered the field pretty much yes created i created the genre, the genre. <laughs> yes um, everyone has been so intimidated by the <laughs> no one has ever gone no one has attempted another one uh but adam adam has made I, here's how many movies adam has made a couple of years ago um tell me if i'm wrong you were on post uh production on i believe shooting the warwicks and then you found out that while you were doing that you'd actually made a documentary is that correct? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I knew I, uh, I actually knew I had made the documentary, but I didn't expect that it would be finished so soon. Um, 
I had sh- it was the documentary you're referring to is called Giuseppe Makes a Movie. Giuseppe Makes a Movie, which I had shot ten years earlier, uh, and um, it had taken about eight years to take the the footage out of a box that was in my closet after we shot it. I had about a hundred tapes uh, in in a in a closet, and <clears throat> and the producer of the film, Mike Plant, then took all of the tapes and started sifting through them and culling the material, and then. Uh, the editor, uh, uh, David Nordstrom came on and while I was finishing one movie, they did a rough cut together of Giuseppe makes a movie, which when I saw it, it was so good that it required very little, uh, work beyond that point. So it, it got finished very, very quickly. So yes, I had a, I had a surprise finished movie in, 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 while I was making a different movie. I, I and it, and it's a great it's a great movie. Um, uh, Thank you. It is it it is up there. I think it would be a great double feature sometime with American movie, um, which is uh, he loves the movie. He uh, loves it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Mark Borchard, the star yeah. of American movie. Um, uh, probably. I mean, I, I I would say I'll be you're you're in, I, probably the greatest documentary ever made about making a movie, but. But Giuseppe is is such a tight second. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, thank you. And the fact that and I only I would only say that about a few films, but I worship American movie. It it changed my life. It, That's a great movie. It it touched me in all kinds of ways. Um <laughs> uh but the fact that Mark Borcher, the star of American movie, uh loves he was Giuseppe. A, he's a big champion of Giuseppe yeah. makes a movie. Has Giuseppe seen American movie? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't you know. Should, you should I should find um, out. Anyway, among the movies that Adam has made in the last year or so, <laughs> uh, should I mention the, the one that's coming out? Please, or, I mean, there, course, there's yeah. a, 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 a uh, Adam. Adam has written and directed Dog Years, which will be coming out um, in 2018. Right, which is uh, an absolutely beautiful movie um, in which essentially Burt Reynolds plays himself. Um, and I don't want to say much more than that, but it's an incredible film, and it just it's 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 moving and funny, and beautiful. And um, uh, look look for it when it comes out. Um, but you also recently made a film uh, called Director's Cut with Penn Jillette. That's right. And the, I'm going to use that as our launching pad today because um, uh, now Penn wrote the movie. Is that correct? Penn wrote Director's Cut and I directed it. And can I try to describe it? Because Please, please. Give, um, give it a shot. Un- unlike, say, The Dark Backward, which is easy to describe, huh. uh, uh, Director's Cut is, it was a unique experience. You sit down, you think you're watching uh, a DVD or Blu-ray audio commentary track uh, about the making of a kind of, uh, I would say, sort of third-rate knockoff of the David Fincher film Seven. David Fincher, Andrew Kevin Walker, film seven. (laughs) Um, And you slowly realize that you're not, that you're watching footage that has been put together by uh, a character played by Pendulette, who is an extra in the movie you're watching, who is an obsessed, crazed stalker uh, who's fixated on the lead actress in the film. And he's making his own movie that is, and he's doing a director's commentary of his own movie using footage from the movie that he's in. Is that... <laughs> See, this is, why it's been di- this is why it's been difficult for us to sell the it's movie. It's really easy to understand <laughs> when you watch it. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's it, When you watch the movie, nothing about it is confusing. But that, when you, yeah, I'm doing a terrible job. But when you try to describe the movie, when you try to sell the movie, it's impossible, which is why we haven't sold the movie. <laughs> we made the movie completely independently. It was crowdfunded, actually. 
And um, it opened Slam Dance 2016. It was the opening gala movie. And audiences loved it. And it's been playing film festivals around the world. And we've gotten great reviews everywhere. Can, can I interrupt? I mean, it, the one thing I didn't say, it is, it's ridiculously entertaining. Thank you. Um, and Pendulette is uh, creepy as fuck in this film. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, a very, it's, it's a movie that every buyer said we have no are we allowed to swear on this podcast i just did oh yeah (laughs) Uh, i I just okay Uh, and we have no fucking clue how to sell this movie uh so um that's why it's been it's a difficult one to to get out there uh i'll I'll, let me give the log line yes please because i have done you a terrible yeah this is the this is the closest (laughs) we've come to a pitchable log line um it's a movie about a film obsessed stalker who kidnaps his favorite actress off the set of her current film and forces her to star in his own amateur movie. It doesn't say everything that it's about, but it at least implies some aspect of the movie that's in there. Does that make sense? Sure. It's better than what I did. It, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I, I see the problem. It's a, yeah, it's a hard movie to um, describe. But well, obviously, I think getting a, a plug on the Trailers from Hell podcast is pretty much all. Well, there you go. Yes, <laughs> I, the office are going to be raining. But anyway, I, I, I thought it'd be a great excuse to use that movie, which is, uh, in spite of Adams. Well, no, you mentioned the movie. It's a movie about making movies, um, and uh, I'll say, I'll yes. say to that point, I'll say to people who haven't seen Director's Cut, which are many. Um, uh, that there's two movies in one. So it's it's kind of like making two totally different movies within one movie. The B-thriller that you're talking about is a, you know, sort of quasi-slick, quasi-by-the-numbers uh, uh, thriller, like you described, a knockoff of, of Seven, actually called Knocked Off. And it's, <laughs> it's about a, a serial killer who's knocking off famous... Serial killings by famous serial killers, uh, and that movie is supposed to look like a real movie. And then there's the movie that Penn's character Herbert Blount is assembling, which is with footage from Knocked Off, as well as the footage that he is shooting with his camcorder, where he is has cast himself as the romantic lead opposite Missy Pyle, who he's kidnapped off of Knocked Off. She was starring in Knocked Off. He has her held captive in his basement movie studio, uh, and he forces her to uh, film additional scenes where Penn is her hero. And he intercuts the real movie and the amateur movie together, and it, it looks nut- nutty. Um, but So yes, this movie is very much about movies being made, all kinds of movies that, being that made. That is what we in Hollywood call a one-liner. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, yes... <laughs> It's it, but yeah, you know, you're right. It it's still you sit down, and you watch it, and you get it. It's not yeah, yeah, half as confusing as talking about the weirdly, movie. weirdly, because uh, usually when something's as this difficult to describe, yeah. it's, it's equally difficult to digest when you're trying to absorb yeah, no, it you and get watch it, it when you see it. Yeah, when you see it, when you watch it, you, you get it. But um, but also too, he's he's a the way he gains access to the big movie so that he can kidnap Missy Pyle off the set is he's that movie is being crowdfunded. And he That's right, is yes. a big crowdfunder who has bought the full access to the set package 
Uh, so he has act- so we see and the- to make things even more confusing even more Perandalian twist it's a crowdfunded movie exactly <laughs> yes. that's right exactly, exactly. It's, there's many levels of meta going on and I believe this podcast is actually a scene in the movie and not an actual podcast <laughs> um, but anyway I, th- I thought it'd be fun to use that as a jumping off point to talk because um, we hate talking to filmmakers about their films here it's just not I think that's a smart thing. To, I think that's smart. I, um, let's just talk about movies that we like. Talk about movies that yeah. we like. With and, and I thought it'd be great to or hate. Um, I have a feeling. I I bet you you're going to bring up one that I am not a fan of. I, just, I, I have I know a feeling. I am. I know. Oh, I am. maybe too. Okay, but we're going to discuss movies about movies. Yeah. Movies about the making of movies. Yeah. And Adam has, I believe, brought in a list of his his favorites, <laughs> and we're going to run through it. Is that true? Well, that... I I I, just, I did a little homework. Oh my God, you have a, yeah. He's got he's got about ten pages. Well, I I sat down. Right? I was just going to write down a few titles of a few movies about movies that I like, and suddenly I kept thinking of another one and another one and another. One. So I brought a giant list. It we looks talk... like a film comment article. Yeah, it looks a, like a lot it, of paragraphs. It, I know. I, I... So this will be part one of a five part <laughs> interview. We with, don't have to talk about Riff Coogan. <laughs> But we can. Th- I'll throw out some titles. We can talk about whatever. Sure. I mean, do you want to work your way up to the to the, 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 to, the, to, the to your favorite? Well, they're in no particular order. Well, then so. let's just go, man. Well, the first what one that I put on the list, yes, is uh, a movie that is near and dear to my heart uh, for a number of reasons. You mentioned the dark backward. Yes. Has a, uh, there's a reason that I'm connected to this movie, and this movie is connected to the dark backward as well. And that is Sullivan's Travels. Oh. Okay. I, sure. I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, it, uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's about a uh, Hollywood director who um, is known for making comedies, and um, it's directed by Preston Sturges, who is also a famous comedy director. and And the and the director in the movie wants to make a serious movie. It's the depression. It's uh, times are tough. It's it's uh, there's suffering in the world. And he's tired of making frivolous, meaningless drivel. He wants to make a movie that that uh, uh, touches people, touches people, yes. has 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 impact, makes a statement. And the movie he wants to make is called "Oh, oh Brother, Brother, Where, Where Art, Art thou? thou," which the Coen Brothers later <laughs> made as a movie uh, of their own. Uh, anyway, so he decides to leave his Hollywood bubble and enter the world of the lovingly referred to in those days as the hobo population. Yes. Uh, to try and to try and glean insight into the 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 suffering man's plight. So because he, can, he says he hasn't suffered enough. Yeah. He hasn't and suffered he tells enough. the studio bosses when they say, Why do you why don't you want to make ants in your plants nineteen thirty seven part two? <laughs> and he says, Because I, I, I wanna do serious stories and I can't do it because I haven't suffered enough. Right. So he goes out to suffer. Anyway, it takes some really great turns Veronica Lake is amazingly uh, beautiful and wonderful in the film and uh, Joel McRae plays the director Uh, but um, it also takes a very very dark turn and I won't say what happens because I want people who haven't seen it to see it and enjoy it but when I was making The Dark Backward uh, it took a long time to get that movie funded Uh, and the producer Brad Wyman at the time the original script had a downer ending Mm-hmm. And uh, and he said, w- why don't we just not don't think of it as a sellout to give the movie a, a little bit of hope at the end, but let's have the character have 
have uh, when he comes out the other side of this ordeal, let's have him have uh, learned something. And I was very much against it. I thought, no, that's the whole point of the movie. He goes through this horrible experience mm-hmm. of growing this arm out of his back and it ruins his life. And then at the end of the movie, nothing's changed. And he said, well, tell you what, instead, why don't we watch Sullivan's Travels uh-huh. and then let's discuss it. And I, at that point, hadn't seen Son of Sullivan's. Oh, Travel. really? Oh, that's not fair. It. So yeah. he won the argument. He won the argument, <clears throat> and uh, and so it was so inspiring. It's just one of those movies I hadn't seen at that time. It was so inspiring because that movie has an ordeal. That anyway, uh, so it inspired me to change the ending of the Dark Backwards. So that not only is it a great movie, but I have a personal connection to why it inspired me specifically. That's great, I, Joe. I'm just sitting here thinking: Were there? How how usual? What, I mean, this may be a stupid question, and, and we'll cut it if it's really stupid. How many how many movies at that point were there about directors and their sort of emotional travails? Well, I, I don't think there the, were a lot that, that were specifically about directors having emotional travails, but there were a <laughs> lot of movies set in Hollywood. Sure, and there were a lot of uh, you know they were usually centered on, centered on actors or actresses, yeah. like the various stars, borns, and what price Hollywood and those kind of pictures, and some of them were pretty dark. Um, but as far as just getting into the psyche and the mind of a director, that really wasn't very common. Yeah, it, it just hit me as Adam was talking about that. That's not. Uh, um, yeah, no, that's a great film. Uh, I love that movie. It's it's yeah. I I would I would hope that anyone listening to the Trailers from Hell podcast would have, you know, be well versed in Sullivan's Travels. But if you're not, stop listening now. Go watch it and then come back. <laughs> um, am I? Do I lie? I don't. Lie. No, it's, it's a great such movie. a great movie. It's, it's such, such a great, great film. Uh, well, you can't top that. So, uh, no. But I, I have here's. A, I'll just. I'll just. You can bottom it. Uh, here are some. Here are some. Uh, oh, it's th- it's that kind of podcast. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, here are some other titles of some movies that I just think are fun movies about making movies. Um, one of my faves is the Day of the Locust. Oh yeah. Well, that's a cheery title. That's a, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of downer <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a really cheerful film. Um, uh, oh, it's a very cheerful book too. You know? Yeah, it's sure. a very faithful adaptation as well. Um, I hadn't read the book prior to seeing the film. I've I've always loved the film, and uh, uh, after I saw the film is when I read the book, and it's so close to the book. I, I was a really in, it was you know most of the time, not you know so much of the time movies based on books yeah. take a a different path or you know it just doesn't quite translate the same way the book the day of the locust by nathaniel west very very the movie very faithful uh uh interpretation of the book and i just i the the, the image that always stays to me is just that horrible horrible child um, yeah played by hair. what's his name um jackie he, earl haley yeah jackie earl haley played that, that that little yeah. girl it was the first time we ever saw yeah really yes how did i not know that Crazy role, crazy, wow. and, yeah. and uh, Donald Sutherland plays the role of Homer, Homer Simpson, Simpson, right? Yes, <laughs> true. That is true. Now let me ask and you: Do you remember the name of the director who's directing the movie when the set collapses? Yes. Do you? Oh no, you're gonna no. William Castle. William Castle <laughs> oh, played wow. the director. Oh, William Castle played the director. Yes. So, of but the... who? What's the name of the director? No. Oh, you're saying what's the He's name the of the character, the the director movie. who played it? Never yeah. mind. William Castle plays I the director it. when the when the I, Napoleon okay. set collapses. Well, we'll have a new host next week. By the way, <laughs> William Castle did a bunch of cameos during this time. It was, yeah, he, he was he, uh, he was uh, he was making he was in Shampoo. He's got a great, great he's got a voice. great cameo in Shampoo. He's got obviously he's got a great cameo in Rosemary's Baby. 
Uh, but it's neat to see him in, yeah. in these movies. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Speaking Joe. Speaking of movies about movies. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> the Day of the Locust. Mm-hmm. When I saw it, I saw it at a, uh, at a revival house in Chicago. When I saw I, it at the Chinese. You, we saw it when it came out at the yeah. Chinese. When I was, when I, there was, there were, the, where I first saw all the old movies that I fell in love with, they were at revival houses in Chicago, which is where I'm from. One was called the Varsity, one was called the Parkway. Different double feature every day. And that's where I first saw The Day of the Locust, which blew my mind. But I didn't know till years later that at the time that movie was hated when it came out. Uh, it was a big flop. Uh, everybody hated it. Even even people who liked the book said it was a terrible ad- adaptation, which which of course it wasn't. But I think the problem is that it was it was such a downer that other movies around it were like considered normal movies, and this movie was like it was, it was, they 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 acted as if it was made to cause people to commit suicide because <laughs> it's so bleak. <laughs> it it for for those who don't know. The whole last act of the movie is a giant riot on Hollywood Boulevard uh, during a movie premiere that erupts into this giant citywide riot and these images of palm trees on fire and uh, cars it's being very turned apocalyptic. It's very, very miracle yeah. mile. Yes, very, very <laughs> apocalyptic. It's it, I love the movie, and uh, um, I know people who don't, but I, I, it's, I just it's love gotta, it. It's um, got I've seen it twice, once as an adult and once, believe it or not, uh, my father took me to see it when it came out. Interesting. So, yeah, I don't think he knew. <laughs> <laughs> it was a break from you know the Altman films he used to drive me off to. But <laughs> I, I remember it being incredibly depressing, and then watching it again as an adult, and um, uh, still incredibly depressing. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. but <laughs> but a, a great movie. movie. Yeah, no, it's a, a great, really good movie. A great movie uh, uh, set in Hollywood in the '30s. Just just. A great. I I love movies about Hollywood. I just always and there are a lot of great locations in that movie that now no longer exist. A lot of those little apartments and uh, uh, you know, parkways and all those kind of things that uh, they're rapidly disappearing. Yeah. So I love that movie. It's, That's a movie yeah. about movies. <laughs> movie is, about the movie biz. That is a movie about movies. They, I'll say since we're talking about the specifics of movies about movies, there's a and and uh, and Joe mentioned it before. There's a fantastic scene. Where William Atherton plays a set uh, designer who's moved to Los Angeles to pursue his career, and he falls in love with a, 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 a wannabe actress uh, played by Karen Black. And anyways, the, mo- the movie and the book are about, about the sort of the the fringe characters of Hollywood, and it's and uh, uh, the people who are destined to fail in Hollywood. And Bill Atherton is working on a movie of Napoleon, and the scene uh, where they're shooting Napoleon and the set collapses. Great scene, and just a great scene about things going wrong on the set of a movie. It's just really fun. Uh, let me throw out another title. Okay, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> another movie about Hollywood uh, that I I love is Barton Fink. Mm-hmm. For sure, yes. Where these are, this is another happy film. <laughs> I've there, well, from the writer's point of view. <laughs> I, I don't only have unhappy movies on my list. Today. I don't only have unhappy movies, <laughs> but I uh, the the Coens of the Coen brothers have done a few movies about making movies. Yeah, this was Hail Caesar. Hail yeah. Caesar. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, which I'm, I'm very fond of. But this is yeah, my, this is my favorite, my favorite too of, of Yeah, yeah. Such a great movie. John Turturro plays a struggling writer uh, who who uh, a successful playwright who comes out to Hollywood to he's. He's um, courted by Hollywood to come out and pursue screenwriting in, for the movies and uh, gets sucked into this very dark rabbit hole of Hollywood. It's a great movie. and uh, it, it is fantastic. And it was, um, 
Uh, you know the story of, of how they wrote it? I do, but for those who don't, you should share. I'll, I'll tell it, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I was just saying, yeah, Clifford Odets is who he's based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Collection. But um, uh, the Cones were writing uh, what I still believe is their finest film, one of the ten greatest movies ever made, Miller's Crossing. Um, and they were blocked. Which seems odd to me. I, I understand. Writer's you know, block. I get blocked. I'm sure yeah. you get blocked. But we, sure. we sit alone and we write. There's yeah. two of those guys. How yeah. two of, Anyway, they, they were blocked on Miller's Crossing and I guess went off and, and kind of banged out Barton Fink to get it out of their I system. I heard in like a few weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah in a few weeks. Um, and it is, it's a powerful piece of work. It's very funny. It's very dark. It's very grim. It's, it's surreal, too. It, it is very surreal. It is surreal. Uh, John Goodman is Terrifying. Is there, has he ever been that frightening in anything else? Never. I mean, it's, He's um, terrifying in that role. Yeah. I was just thinking, he did not play Mad a lot Man of Madman Munt. Madman Munt. Yeah. He's great. We keep coming back. We're circling around with William Castle and John Goodman. We'll, we'll get to it, I'm sure, eventually. But of course a, we will. There's don't a think, movie. There's an elephant in the my, room. Don't think that's not on my list. By the way, there's two <laughs> movies about making movies uh, that are on my list that were both directed by somebody in this room. Ah, well. I didn't know you directed it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, all what right, let what me, else you got? Let me get to a, a, a happier one. <laughs> yeah, you're right. a pretty grim. Yeah. You're right. These, <laughs> are, pretty, very these are pretty grim. Let me find... Oh, hey, Purple Rose of Cairo. Purple uh, Rose of Cairo. Great. Great. Wonderful. Yeah, great not, movie. Not about, really a movie about making movies. A no, movie about watching a movie about, movies. Right. Yeah. Movie yeah. about... Yeah, the love of movies. And uh, this is uh, written and directed by Woody Allen. And uh, it's about uh, a... Uh, Mia Farrow plays a, um, a woman leading... A, it's set in the 30s, I think, also, yeah. right? Um, woman who is uh, unhappy with her life, has a horrible husband, played by Danny Aiello, and she escapes her misery in the magic of the movies, and a, a character from the movie, The Purple Rose of Cairo, that she's watching, steps off the movie screen, played by... Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, yes. of course. Uh and she and he, she shows him the 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 real world, and they have this surreal but magical love story that uh, that unfolds. It's a beautiful movie. It's an incredibly clever concept because you get because at one point the real actor, the Jeff Daniels character, finds out that his his alter ego has stepped off the stage off the screen and all the other actors in the movie are upset because he's not there and they all want to wonder what's on the other side of the screen now and the, the exhibitors are all upset and uh, it, it's the, 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 the avalanche of events is just so clever that it's really one of the best I think it, it is and it's somehow I, I do I yeah it. it goes beyond that I mean it, there, there's you know it feels like there's sort of Different levels of Woody Allen films, and that one that one seems to get put a lot in the sort of light confection. No, I don't think so. Area. I think and I, I don't think movie. so at all. I, think, I agree, with but you. I think it 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 suffers from the cleverness of the the idea because it yeah. it is such a and his, thing and, his that, and his 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 recapturing of that particular kind of movie. Yeah, is so accurate. So yes. I mean, yeah. oh, the art direction, the costumes, <laughs> I mean, the casting, everything about it is. It looks like a movie from 1937. I mean, yeah. it's, it's isn't amazing. Van Johnson even Van in the Johnson's movie? Yeah. In it. yes. <laughs> so oh, that funny. Is, that is a wonderful one uh, for sure. And speaking of Woody Allen and movies yes. about making movies, he made also another movie about a filmmaker named uh, called Stardust Memories. And now we're getting dark again. Maybe we're getting dark again. But <laughs> I bring that up because I wanted to bring up the movie Eight and a Half, which is 
to me, one of the great movies about a director, speaking of movies about directors. And that movie inspired so many other filmmakers that a whole bunch of them made that movie their own movie their, their own, own version their own version right. yeah so eight and a half was Fellini's version the first version and then Woody Allen made Stardust Memories and Bob Fosse made all that jazz and Paul Mazursky made Alex in Wonderland how many others are there but what's great about eight and a half is that when you see it I saw it when I was I think 14 when it first came out and and I, I liked it although there was a lot of stuff I didn't understand and then as I got older I would see it again and it would be slightly different then I got into the movie business and it was again I would see it, it would be slightly different then I got older and I it's a di- it's a different movie every couple of years yeah. that you grow as a person. And it's really one of the most rewarding movies over a lifetime that I've ever seen. I agree with that completely. I Interesting. That I, I, uh, uh, I, I'm going to blaspheme. I've, I've only seen it about three or four times, which is not a lot for someone who does what we do. But I do find that the people who love it the most... <laughs> <laughs> tend to be directors. <laughs> well, I, I understand wonder. that. But yeah, that, but it's, it's clearly... Um, but also, I was lucky enough to see... You know, they used to release movies, uh, foreign movies, with subtitles and also in dubbed versions. Now, at Eight and a Half, there is a, a, a tremendous amount of dialogue. And a lot of it is uh, cross-purposes, and it's overlapping, and it's conversations going on in the background. Right. Conversations going on. Well, not all of that can get translated in a, in a subtitle. And so the dubbed version of Eight and a Half, which has virtually disappeared, is so much more rewarding really? to watch than Interesting. the subtitled version. It's, a, it's an extra layer of movie. Well, I mean, and they were all dubbed anyway. So well, I know. That's I why mean, that's, I, that's, that's, being doctrinaire about it is pretty silly because yeah. half of the actors are saying numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that by? Do you want to? In when? When did the Italians stop doing that? Italians are basically no, shot Itali- without sound for the very, Italians very long. were always shooting without sound because yeah. there's so much noise. And but they stopped they, recently. Then they could build sets. And uh, but it, it, the problem is in America, right around the the 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s, the Americans stopped wanting to see subtitles. And so, but however, at the same time, they started to reject dubbing. And so the trickle of movies that were coming from Europe ended up having to be distributed by Roger Corman because the, the major studios Is didn't... Is that why he got the... That's why he got all those oh, pictures because the majors didn't want any of them. Interesting. Huh. Now, he released Amacord, right? He released Amacord, yeah. yeah, which I did the trailer for. No kidding. That's yeah. cool. Oh, wow. And did, he did some Kurosawa, too. He did Kurosawa. He did Truffaut. He did uh, Bergman. I mean, he the, all those movies went to Roger because nobody else wanted to distribute them. And plus, he promised Bergman. He said, "Your pictures have never played drive-ins. <laughs> now, now your movies can play drive-ins." Wow, that's hilarious! <laughs> now, can you imagine seeing Persona in a drive-in <laughs> on a on a date. <laughs> now, were they were they successful for Roger? Yes, they were very yeah. successful because he had very low overhead. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. But we digress. Yes, yeah. but so so was the movie that I was going to bring up that you said I'll probably bring up. All that jazz? Oh no, no, oh, no! It's not. It's not. Because you know I love that movie. Yeah, everyone loves so that. You movie. don't love that movie. I, I, um, yeah, no, I, I have a. He has a thing about death. <laughs> I, I embrace death it. Characters I embrace it. Um, <laughs> no, there's just something about. I, I, I get it. I'm not. I'm not that person who will tell you it's terrible because I don't like it, um, unless it's terrible. But I, yeah, all that jazz has somehow always left me cold. Um, mm. Uh, to completely discount Joe's theory, I love Star Eighty. <laughs> you want you want death uh, in a Bob Fosse film, but something about all that jazz, I just I find there's something about the embrace of his 
self-indulgent, self-indulgent, self-aggrandizement that I know he knows the character's a big, giant asshole, but I just, he just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's interesting because I, I don't disagree with what you're saying yeah. content-wise, but I still love the movie. Oh, ever I'm, I'm, there's four of me in the world. I mean, because, because, <laughs> everyone cause loves that, that movie. movie is extraordinarily self-indulgent. But it doesn't. But that's what's brilliant about. It. Yeah. It oh yeah. No. No. I. I don't mean the the film. I think. I think movies should. Be, if you're not indulging yourself sure. and you're making a movie, who who the hell else is going to want to see it? Sure. It's it's that the character is such a self indulgent jackass, which well, Fosse knows. No, I know. And Fosse knows like that. the terrible things he does to his family. I know. And, I, know, but I, know. but he knows. He's I, like I know. Normally that he's doesn't bother me. I, normally I kind of like that as long as the. Filmmakers know the guy's a jerk, but there's a kind of, I don't know. There's some, I it go just back, doesn't work for you. I watch it every few years, and I go, someday this will happen for me. Listen, I, that's what makes that's what's great about the movies. Everybody gets something different from every movie. I love that. What, about what do you get from all that jazz, Adam Rifkin? I love all that jazz because I love the story of this obsessed artist who, who it just seems to me that all. He's he's horrible to his family, he's horrible to his friends, he's horrible to himself. He's very self-destructive. And then he got elected president. Oh no, <laughs> just kidding. And Could but never but it's it all is in it all sir it to, in his mind, it all is in the uh, interest of his art. His his just over exertion at he's directing a play, he's directing a movie, he's he's. Uh, juggling many different women at the same time. He's an abhorrent character, but also a brilliant character and a talented character and a lovable, likable, I mean, charming character. And I just find, and I just also think that it's a very clever sort of exploration of how to look back on one's life and second guess and and uh, reflect and, and, and the musical sequences because he... His life is a musical number in, in 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 his work. So in his subconscious mind, his life takes over this, takes on this, these bizarre, surreal musical numbers in his uh, inside his head. I just love it. It's a hard movie to sort of describe. Uh, Not as hard as some. Yeah, <laughs> I can think of a few. <laughs> but I uh, I love it. I've always loved it. I yeah. I mean, listening to you talk about it, it's maybe it's. It may just be, I mean, I, and he's great in the film, no yeah. question. There's something about Roy Scheider in that part that just always, it's not quite as jarring as if it were Charles Bronson, mm -hmm. but seeing Roy Scheider play like a Broadway song and dance band, well, I mean, you, in my mind, it's such formative years of Jaws and Sorcerer, which are two movies that just I must have seen, you know, 1,000 times and 500 times. He's an odd choice. He's just this, he's, he's a kind of, he's role. this working class. Yeah, he's really good at it. He no, also, I, know, I know, but I just can't get past. It wasn't supposed to be him. Who is it going to be? Was, it was Dreyfus. Was it Dreyfus? Yeah. Dreyfus backed out. Yeah. I don't know if Dreyfus would have been as good. I don't yeah, even, I like Roy Scheider better. I like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Roy Scheider in that movie, and you're right, he's not who you'd think. Yeah, but I think he's, he's like a, great a grease job. monkey. He's not a Broadway song and dance man. But as a movie buff... <laughs> Yeah, who's seen all those working class Roy Scheider movies? Maybe you're bringing that to the table. Oh no, I absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. am. And Seven Ups too. Of course. Seven Ups, yeah. Which, yeah. And, yeah, and French Connection. Right, I mean, he's just—it's yeah. just straight. You know, 
Gene Hackman in that part would be weird to me. <laughs> really, you weird. know. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I do love that movie. But that is Bob Fosse's version of Eight and a Half. Sure. And Stardust Memories is Woody Allen's version of Eight and well, a Half. Uh, very obvious. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. He, he tips it. But I, and now I think that's an, another movie that gets a bad rap. I, think, I agree. I love I think it. It's a fantastic movie. <clears throat> yeah, I love that movie. Um, I don't love Alex in Wonderland. To be honest, with nobody you. loves Alex. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, For those who don't know, talk what about it is. self-indulgent. Yeah, <laughs> it's a movie. I mean, uh, Paul Mazursky made Bob and Bob and Ted, Ted and Carolyn, Bob and Carol and Ted. Now I always get the order wrong. Bob and they're remaking. Now you've it. Bob they and really? Carol yes, and Ted. They're remaking. Bob and you've done it to me. I've never had a problem with it. Now I don't. Now yeah, I, I, Bob and, and Ted and Carol and Alice. Right, that's the movie that he made no. that was a big hit. Right? Bob and, and Carol and Ted and Alice, he, isn't it? Bob and. Carol and Ted. I was right. See, I was right. Uh, but anyway, it was a big hit, and it got him uh, the opportunity to do. Uh, well, what else do you want to do, genius? You know, because yeah, yeah. your movie makes money. You're a genius for yeah, yeah. twenty minutes. And uh, and he said he wanted to make Alex in Wonderland, and it's obviously a very personal movie to him. But again, the, the hero of the picture is a jerk. Yeah, and it's yeah. very difficult. Yeah. I I tried to. I didn't like the movie when it was new. And then it came out on DVD, and I said, "Well, you know, I really should give this another chance because, yeah, you know, Fellini's in it. I mean, I should, yeah. I should, uh-huh. I should just take another <laughs> yeah. look at this yeah. thing." And plus, it was the '70s in Hollywood Boulevard back when Larry Edmonds was still next to that movie theater, and, right. you know. And it was like, well, I, you know, but you know, I, it still left me stone cold. It's a bit of a slog. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, like I it. had the same. I you came out on DVD about two years ago. Yeah. Or so and... There's an opening scene in that movie that I think would be unacceptable today if it were. In a movie, I know it's a reflection of the times, but Donald Sutherland, who plays Alex, the director, is in a bathtub with his daughter at the beginning of the movie, and there's something very disturbingly intimate intimate about this grown nude man and this young girl in this tub together, and he's very casually lying back in the tub with one foot up, and she's kind of between his legs, and it's very disturbing. Maybe I know it was kind of a hippie, I mean hippie thing at the time, but I I don't think that would fly today at all. I, I found it very disturbing. You're probably right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I I uh, uh, but I have a question. Yeah. Stardust memory, you know, because we all live in this bubble here yeah. in in Hollywood in the movie business, and we yeah. hang out with other idiots who do the same thing we do, and right. we talk about movies with them and everything. Um, do you know any? people not in the film business who love Stardust Memories the way we all do. <laughs> I don't think many people who aren't in the film business have even seen Stardust Memories. I, but I mean, is that because I, I find it's invariably people like us go, you know, no, it's no, underrated. It's generally derided. Uh, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's always considered one of his worst pictures. Uh, you know, when he got so self-indulgent and started, and, and it's not funny, and, and then, and then the, the joke yeah. about you're yes. really funny. Ones. Why aren't you funny anymore? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and let's face it, I mean, you know, he, he made some pictures like September and you know that are like Snoresville I mean (laughs) interiors I remember watching thinking well this is going to be good and it was just not good he's going full Bergman in those yeah you know and and then and and plus he had this Chaplin modus operandi where he would if he didn't like the movie he would just stop and he would start to recast it and start it over which he did with September I think he fired Gene Hackman or he hired Gene Hackman when he fired somebody else but and, and he was notorious for not showing scripts to actors Bruce Stern told me right. that he 
turned down his chance to be in a Woody Allen movie because Woody wouldn't show him the script. And he said, I'm sorry, pal, I don't do movies without scripts. And um, so he's never going to be in one. Wow. Which movie do you think? I have no idea. Interesting. Hmm. Love to know. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious. Um, I love that movie. So... Um, yeah, no, I do too. I just, it just suddenly dawned on me that everybody I've ever heard She's say that. In that movie. Was, you know, another another movie that Woody Allen made that I I love that is, I wouldn't even say it's derided as much as it's just never talked about. It's one of his le- most underrated films. Is uh, Another Woman with Jenna Rollins? I don't have any opinion one way or the other. Do you? Do you not? You're, you're, yeah. It's I no, love that movie. It's, it's no What's Up, Tiger Lily. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that movie. Another Woman to me, I, I, it, to me is very. It's a, it feels very profound. I've always loved that movie. All right, here's a here's a frivolous movie about movies. Yes, Hooper. Hooper. Speaking of Burt, now Reynolds, we're talking. <laughs> that's right. Burt Reynolds <laughs> plays a stuntman. I I have been so afraid to go back to Hooper. Because I remember, I it was one of those movies. Are you I afraid saw. the stylings, of the comedy stylings of Hal Needham will, <laughs> have, will have dated? I I feel like I mean I, I don't know. I was I you know ten and something? I was a child when I saw it, but it it just it got me on every level. I loved everything about it. I loved the love story. I loved the the relationship with Brian Keith. I mean, just the whole you know. And and I just have the. I still love it too. I, I I've seen it. I've seen it in pieces since I saw originally saw it and yeah. loved it when it came out. And I still love it. Yep. I still love it. I, w- would I ca- say that it is a great cinematic achievement? No. But I enjoy it thoroughly. But I, I do. Isn't there a, there's a scene? Because I feel like, you know, what we do is we all sit around, we have a beer, and we talk about movies. But stuntmen get together. They go to a country and western bar, and they beat the shit out of each other. That <laughs> right. just, that looks like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a great, that's a great bit. I, I love that movie. And who's the uh, who's the director? The terrible director. Isn't there a director who wears ascots? And oh, Robert Klein. Robert Klein is no. the director. Robert Klein right, 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 right. Sure, yeah. I feel there may have been a bit of a Bogdanovich thing going on. With oh well, character. you know, is I'll that... tell you. Uh, uh, working with Bert, and I don't. I'm not speaking out of school because he says this in his book too. Okay. He was not super fond of Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, Bert Reynolds did not like Peter Bogdanovich. So that may have they did not get along at the star's request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, Hooper, Hooper's wonderful. Uh, I, I have no idea if you should see it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you grew up with it. <laughs> Unless you grew up with it. No, I not. like WW and the Dixie Dance Kings, too, and I thank God every day that that's not available on video because I would hate to find out it's <laughs> yeah. not any good. It's no Navajo Joe. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, he well Bert told me that uh, when he and Clint got fired from Universal on the same day, yeah. the same meeting, yeah. they both got fired from their contracts. He said uh, that uh, I don't forget who it was at the studio. He said fired them. He said that uh, uh, he said that he fired Bert because you can't act, and he said to um, Clint, "You're fired because you have too big of an Adam's apple." <laughs> and when they were walking out, uh, Bert said something to, like, "You know, to Clint, I'm so sorry for you." He's like, "What are you talking about?" He he fired us both, and uh, we both. And he says, out. "I can learn how to act." <laughs> 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 but anyway, he said that he and he and Clint then went. To Europe to do spaghetti westerns, right. and he said he, you oh. know, that, that Clint did all these great Sergio Leone films, and he got Navajo, and he got Joe. Navajo Joe. Excuse me, <laughs> let me put in a word for Navajo. Joe. I think Navajo Joe, which is a Sergio Corbucci picture, is a much better picture. I happen than, to than like Bert, it too. Sure. Than Bert ever lets on. He always oh, acts like it's the that. lowest That's part true. of his career, That's true. and it wasn't. And plus, it got a really big release here. 
and it's got a great music score. Yes. Uh, and he it's hates got a, the wig they made him wear. Well, I can tell you that. I can understand that. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, as these movies go, yeah. it is, it's among the top tiers. Not yeah, no, bottom. it's a great movie. I enjoy the movie. Absolutely. But yes, that is, he uses that movie as a punchline all the time. <laughs> Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, all right, I have some other titles here to share. Sure. Um, you you haven't hit the one I'm expecting you to. That... Which one? Which, uh, no, you'll, uh, you'll, all right, we'll see if I even he'll let you. He'll, he'll hit a buzzer. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw out some titles. Sure. Let's just say yeah, some yeah, things that we the feel free association about. Yeah, free association the round. lightning round. Speaking of Hooper, how about Rick, the great Richard Rush's The Stuntman? Are you just gonna breeze over the Stuntman? That's the I mean, first the, one. The, the, the greatest say, movie ever say made about you making say. movies. Please go ahead. It's 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 the stuntman for God's sake. I love that movie. Uh, yeah, all, again, all all directors like that movie, and it's largely because the way Peter O'Toole comes godlike yes. into the shots yes. on his crane, <laughs> That's true. as if he is the Messiah. Yes. yes. Yeah. How tall is King Kong? <laughs> um, also, I mean, it's funny. There's a film that should I should have the same. I guess not because he's playing a. a the right kind of character, but Steve Rails back in that film, uh, I think always suffered from the fact that he he's still he in my Charles head. Manson. I have to shift and go, Oh no, that's yeah. not Manson. That's yeah. rails. Well, but actually I think, I, I think rails back is actually a little miscast in that movie. He's, I think but, he's not quite, he's not quite the guy that you would expect that character to be. But not he does come across as a, he is a guy on the run. He's sort of a, I don't think rails back was the first choice and I, I have to look up who it was, but I, I think I heard that, uh, they had somebody else. Huh, I I actually I'll put in a vote because I, I I actually love him in that because he has a kind of sort of everyman quality. He's not the guy you'd expect to be in that situation, which is kind of the the point. But it's it's an amazing film about the making of movies and the art of the illusion of film. And uh, I just remember the hand blowing up in front of the um, uh, the hotel down in San Diego. The, um, Del Coronado. Uh, yes. Some Del of those Coronado. scenes, some of those scenes where they're running around on the rooftops of the Del Coronado look. Genuinely dangerous. They look real. Yeah. 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 Well, it, that's some good stuff. They're rolling down those uh, uh, rooftops yeah. and they look, look really they good. They didn't have a lot of CG in, uh, no, in that one. Not a lot. No. <laughs> not a lot. Um, okay. Stuntman. Great movie. Okay. Another movie about movies The Bad and the Beautiful. Ah. It's, it's, that's the great MGM gloss on making movies. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it, it, it's, it's an MGM movie. It looks fabulous. It's got a great cast. And it's, uh, it, the, it's segmented into several stories. And Kirk Douglas plays a ruthless producer who um, screws everybody on his way to the top. And many, many pieces of this picture are actually stolen. Consensually. Little bits of uh, Hollywood lore. Ah. Like he becomes fam- he becomes famous because he makes his first. Uh, uh, there's a Val Luton section where he makes his first hit, which is the the, the Cat Man, uh, 
which is which is based on uh, Luton doing the cat people, right. and it's and it, they show you what, how ratty the costumes look, and then he he shoots it in a way that's very mysterious, and you don't see anything, and it's scary, and it becomes you know a hit, and then the studio says, "Great, now you can make Doom of the Catman," <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's based on the real Val Luton, <laughs> and story? that's based on the story of, of, of Val Luton, but uh, and and then of course, you know Barry Sullivan plays the director pal who gets you know sort of kicked to the curb when uh, their big mutual uh, project gets picked up by the studio except Barry Sullivan can't direct it they're going to get some, like Leo G. Carroll or some big director to direct it and uh, Kirk Douglas who is great at playing heels yeah. uh, just shines this guy off like you know as if he's doing him a favor <laughs> it's, and, 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 and that goes through you know Lana Turner the starlet and then uh, Dick Powell as the, the William Faulkner like writer and and it, it's it's a really really well written and entertaining as hell movie. I love it. I've, I've not seen it since I was a child. It's yeah, really but, good. But I'm, I'm. We should watch it sometime. I yes. Yeah, yes. So, so I haven't seen it for years and years and years either. I'd love to see it again. It's great. It yeah. shall be done. I love Kirk Douglas. To me, Kirk Douglas was in, in his heyday was probably one of my all time favorite movie stars. I mean, he just was a cool movie star. Well, when I was a kid, he was in everything. Uh huh. And he made all sorts of genre pictures, lots of westerns, lots of action that. pictures. Yeah. I mean, kids, kids all know who he was. What's your take on um, uh, the big carnival? Oh, the big carnival is great, but you, but you can't be surprised. Or Ace on the Hole, as it, I think yes. it was originally called. Ah. Uh, I, you can't be surprised that a picture <laughs> that cynical <laughs> didn't make any money. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, what could they have been thinking? There's there's no way that story could could ever be told to an audience without them coming out feeling dirty. But man, I love that movie. That's oh, right. it's yeah, it's very modern. It's very modern. It's so. I mean, speaking of, uh, we were talking about facing the crowd earlier too. It's yeah. such a it's such a relevant movie today as far as the 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 state of the media. I mean, it's almost like a prophecy that movie. With, yeah. with with respect to the media and the way yeah. that the, the media uh, gloms onto things. And well, and the thing yeah creates the, the story. And I also I love about those guys. Um, uh, uh, Burt Lancaster too was their their not just willingness but it seemed like their eagerness to play bad guys like just yeah. awful awful leading men. So so uh, big carnival slash ace in the hole that yeah. probably came out after uh, Sunset Boulevard. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of Sunset Boulevard, Sunset another Boulevard. another great movie about movies. <laughs> yep. Which is on my list. Where is it on my list? Here it is on my. Was it Louis B. Mayer who threatened Billy Wilder and said that he should go back to Germany after seeing? Yeah, he, he uh, did. Was he very say that? Offended oh, by all, it. He yeah. was, all of Hollywood was really offended by that picture, uh, and it's obviously a very accurate portrait of, of yeah. the way things were. That one feels. Yeah, I remember as a kid. Whereas a lot of movies about Hollywood movies sort of feel like fantasies or mm. you know little 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 bit of a. Well, sort it's of, it's kind of a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. Very much a horror film. Um, but that, that one, even it's, as, it's, as a it's child, very, I thought... Robert Aldrich-like. This is what it Yeah, it is. Like. You're right. It's yeah. very salacious. The yeah. whole yep. kept man thing yeah. is very yeah. salacious. Yeah. Bill Holden is so cool. He's great. He's, he's always like, good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I had... When I... For years, when I had seen that movie, I always thought of Gloria Swanson as this old woman. She was only like... Not even fifty. I mean, it's just weird that that. Yeah, yeah. She was yeah. she was so young, but they she... actually went to Pola Negri. Oh, really? Uh, for that part, and uh, I think she had 
just wasn't acting anymore. But um, they, 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 they went through a bunch of real silent film stars. And luckily, she, she had been a silent film star. Yeah. And so she I said I heard yes. Greta Garbo was also approached. Well, Greta always got approached. And Greta I always said no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be alone. Um, but I, I, uh, I think Sunset Boulevard is a great movie about movies. And all yeah. those great clips of her in the silent movies that she plays for him. Yep. Great. Well, which is a real movie. That she yeah. yeah, yeah, the real. I yes. love that. Which... Um, so uh, another movie that I want to throw out to you all, a movie about movies, is uh, The Player. Ah, so cynical. Yeah. But... <laughs> Super funny. That movie is so strange. I got to do a Q&A with Michael Tolkien a few years ago uh, about it. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And it was a great excuse to go back and revisit it. And, you know... It's it's another period. I mean, it is not. Yeah. It still feels we were all here, but it's a period plugging piece, away. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at it yeah. and you realize you've lived long enough to see your period become a period yeah. piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody, the, half the people in that movie are dead. The other half yeah. are, That's true. Uh, you know, long since retired. Yeah. Um, and and what's crazy is you think they're all, uh, you know, Bert's in it. You, yeah, you oh, Bert's great in it. Yeah, he's wonderful at it. Bert's, Bert's referring no to the movie Heat when he said, when, when uh, I forget the, the actor who goes up to Bert and says, uh, I hope you don't remember me. And if you do, I was only working for Kastner at the time. And what that's <laughs> in reference to is Bert was in a movie called Heat, mm-hmm. which was. Not to be confused with Heat. Right, not the, not the, not, <laughs> not the, the Michael Mann film. No, no, it, this is a different movie. This is called is Heat. Heat. It was going to be directed by Robert Altman. But didn't he end up directing it? No, it it Bert? ended up... Uh, no? The, Robert Altman walked after... you know He and Elliot... The producer, producer was Elliot Kastner. Uh, Elliot um, funded my first movie, so he's sort of a hero in my, in my life story, but he's a villain to so many others. And uh, he and Altman hated each other. They had made the long goodbye together prior which i love and when i talked to elliot when he funded my first movie i said to him that the long goodbye is one of my favorite movies and he hated it i hate that movie <laughs> i said why do you hate it? it's one of the great movies of all time he said because altman bait and switched me he was going to make a, a hard-boiled private detective movie he made a hippie movie i said that's what's great about it <laughs> but it's still a hard it still is that's but he didn't thing, like yeah. that it messed with the genre uh. and that it was counterculture he hated that he thought, and that, that's why he went uh, with uh, Mitchum to London and made uh, the, big oh, the, big yeah, the Big Sleep. Yeah, yeah, and another one. Did you make, what? Murder My Sweet Love. Uh, oh, farewell, farewell My Love. Farewell, right. farewell, farewell My Love. Yes. Uh, anyway, so uh, Bert was starring in Heat to be directed by Robert Altman. Robert Altman got bounced. Elliot brought in some other director who Bert punched out on the set. Wow. In a famous story. And so then Elliot basically kind of oversaw. The directing of the movie, which is a story that's not readily available, but Bert hated the experience so much that that is what that joke in the player is in reference to. And if you think about that's one joke in one couple of frames. Of yes. Picture. When you think of how many other ones there are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could do a whole archaeological expedition just about that movie. That's that, true. That movie, it's um, uh, yeah, it's an incredible film. My just my cool. small um, connection to that movie is, and this should tell you just how cold Robert Altman was at the time. He and I had the same agent at the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was at the screening of the player for distributors 
and out of that screening, New Line bought it. But it was made independently, and uh, my agent at the time, Bobby Thompson, was involved in setting up that screening, and then it got sold, and then he was hot again off that movie, and it was such a great movie. It was yeah, he had a long run of uh, it, was, it was Popeye and then OC and Stiggs and then there were and they did know, all these really great but super tiny, tiny little movies. Films. Yeah, well, nobody saw OC and Stiggs. I mean, it's I saw it's OC almost and not an even uh, even a movie. <laughs> it's it's, so it's um it's uh, uh, an interesting. It's not the best movie based on an article in National Lampoon. That was offered to Adam. Uh, was it really? <laughs> oh. oh. Um, no, I ended up casting uh, Daniel Jenkins in my horror film, mm. who played it was just, uh, he played OC. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, but there was that weird period because what streamers and um, Welcome Back to the Five and Dime, mm-hmm. and all these tiny and the Vincent Secret Theo. Honor, yeah, Vincent yeah, Theo, yeah, all these wonderful t- tiny, tiny little, little movies. movies, which I thought were great. Yeah. But yeah. he was super cold. I guess it was Popeye that made him cold. Is that right? Was it Popeye? Popeye, yeah. Popeye and then and then OC afterwards. Well, was Popeye like... was a major big movie with lots of money behind it. Robert yeah. Evans, all that stuff, yeah. and, it, and it, nobody wanted to see it. Yeah, and it's frankly pretty hard to sit through. <laughs> uh, and then then came OC and Stegas, which was like, what is this? And so it was like, forget him. Yeah. yeah. You know? But then, I mean, uh, he made a lot of great. Mo- I love shortcuts. Sure. Right oh, after no. the player, and mm-hmm. I mean, he made a bunch of great movies after. Uh, uh, the player. He was, I guess, he was pretty hot for the rest of his days. Yep. He made a lot of real movies after that. Yeah. But I, I, I love that movie, The Player. Um, let me throw out another movie about movies that I loved growing up as a kid. Fade to Black. Oh yeah, Dennis Christopher. Yes, yes, yes. I've been trying to find that. I think I haven't looked in a while, but that's been unavailable on video for a long and time. There's a rights problem. Is, is that there? what it is? Yeah. Uh, too bad. I loved that That's movie. A, yeah. I saw Dennis Christopher in the streets at one point, and I said, fade to black. And he seemed so shocked that anybody would bring up that movie. <laughs> punch you in the oh, face wait. Or... I have to tell you this story. I'm pointing to Joe Dante, pointing to Joe. those of you who are just listening. Because um, you knew Kevin McCarthy, obviously, very well. So when I was new to Los Angeles, I was about 17, 18 years old. Me and some friends were walking through uh, the valley. We are crossing the street, uh, Van Nuys Boulevard. And waiting at the light, crossing, we were walking in front of the car. Behind the wheel of his car was Kevin McCarthy. And without being able to control myself, I ran over to his car and started pounding on the windows, <laughs> screaming, They're coming! They're coming! And he, for a second, looked shocked. And then he laughed really hard and like pointed and at me and yes. winked. And he was like, Really, like, pleased. <laughs> and my friends said, What the fuck are you doing to that poor old man? But uh, I couldn't help myself. He came to terms with the fact <laughs> yeah. that, that, that the movie that he made in 18 days uh, at Allied Artists was the movie that he ended up being remembered for after his entire career on stage. And on, you know, I also remember, I think about having to go through your life with idiots coming up and doing that to your I, I have to believe that happens to him, happens <laughs> yeah. to him a lot, but yes. I couldn't, I, I just couldn't control my, uh, I had total impulse control issue at that moment. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be that. I don't know if I'd be that free today in my life. But I, I, you know, when I was young, I just, I just did it. Anyway, let me throw out a couple. Of, uh, so anyway, b- back to Fade to Black. Yes. So for people who haven't seen it, and probably a lot of people. Yeah, seen actually, it, that's one to talk about because people haven't uh, seen he's it. He's a. Uh, let me see what it's how it's described online. A shy, lonely film buff embarks on a killing spree against those who browbeat and betray him, all the while stalking his idol, a Marilyn Monroe lookalike. Well, basically, he kills people in character of fam- from many of his famous 
uh, uh, from from famous movies. He plays characters from famous movies and kills people like as a '30s gangster. Cody Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and uh, anyway, Mickey Rourke is in that movie. Young Mickey Rourke. Oh wow, who's great in that movie? Anyway, um. I thought it was a cool film. It's a great film, and yeah. it really, in retrospect, you know, uh, I, I, I saw it in in Philadelphia as a kid. But you come out here and realize that that the character he's playing was very real. Yeah, and you see hanging out at a lot of yeah uh, repertory movie houses in yeah. Los Angeles, especially especially back in the uh, the eighties and nineties yeah. um, uh, before there was actually a happily an influx of, of women who finally felt comfortable coming to those theaters. <laughs> but but I would say one of the reasons they didn't is because there were guys like creepy guy. creepy fanboy creepy fanboys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah it's, it's an amazing film. I, I haven't seen it in so many years. I don't know if it holds up, but I really liked it when I was younger. I have I've been trying to find a decent version of it for a long time. Um is it time to talk about Joe's contribution to movies about movies? Oh, I thought yes, no, absolutely. We could go out on that. I I thought. Can I just tell you the one I thought yeah. you would, which is um, uh, not not quite as revered as the Fosse film, but uh, people always love, and I've I've seen it twice now, and every time I just sit there and I go, I don't know, but people love After the Fox. Yes, and yes. I don't get it. I mean, it's not like the jokes are over. My, I just sit there and it just is just cold to me. No one's saying anything though, so maybe I'm not. Well, I don't think there's a lot of After the Fox fans here. Then maybe I just know. It's all, okay. I guess I know okay. all the After I mean, the Fox some, fans. There's some fun things in it. Victor Mature is in it. I, I know several people who love it, who think it's one of the funniest movies ever made. I wouldn't say it's it just, one of the funniest uh, movies ever made, but it's okay. I, it's, it's, I, fine. Yeah. it's fine. I, I didn't even uh, think I, to bring that one up. No, it's not I, even I on my list. <laughs> on my long list. Maybe I know all the big fans. Um, I want to just. But should we talk about? Yeah, I think Joe made a movie. Joe made two movies well, about gonna, movies. Yes. Well, actually, Joe made all of his movies are about movies. Yeah, well, <laughs> that is that is true. That is true. Obviously, but I I speak specifically of Hollywood Boulevard and of Matinee. Yes. Two great movies. Could you describe how uh, Hollywood Boulevard came about? Uh, Hollywood Boulevard. I was working for Roger Corman, making trailers with my friends Alan Arkish and John Davison. We uh, were making trailers for these. Fairly shitty Filipino movies, and uh, which is a great documentary about those. Yeah, there is, yes. and and we were thinking, well, gee, you know, maybe we could even make a movie better than this. And so, uh, since there had been a uh, sort of a history of people going somewhere from Roger to being in careers, uh, we said, well, why don't we ask Roger if we can make a movie for him? And uh, canny fellow that he is, he said, sure, but you got to go on making trailers. Uh, and it's got to be the cheapest movie we've ever made. <laughs> and the only way we figured that we could ever make a movie that was watchable and the amount of time and money we had was to make it around footage from these other movies that we were making trailers for. So we made a movie about a movie, th a movie studio making movies. Uh, we would put our actors in the clothing of the stock shots and blow up the cars or fall down the cliff or whatever it is and then uh, we would cut to our actors and they would be in Griffith Park or they would be somewhere else and, and they'd shoot a gun up and somebody would fall out of a tree in the Philippines. <laughs> I love that. And uh, we managed to, it, it sort of doesn't really have a plot. Uh, Roger was doing a three-girl formula thing with nurses and teachers where they get in trouble and take their clothes off. 
And so we had actresses who did the same thing. And there's a vague murder mystery plot that kicks in like after an hour, <laughs> uh, and which is based on a, a Bela Lugosi movie called The Death Kiss, which we just stole. Um, and it was uh, made for $60,000 in 10 days. Wow. And Alan and I directed it, and John Davison produced it. And Roger uh, was uh, saw it and thought it was much better than I think he expected it to be. But uh, even so, it played for two days on 42nd Street. And, and my my uh, my brother saw it in New York, and he said, you know, I've never been in a theater where they left the lights on for the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> and recently released on Blu-ray, so you can see it all of, of its... Blu-ray of all uh, yes. Even, you know, this is back when we literally thought these movies were throwaways. That nobody that would, would, never be nobody seen would ever see them again. They would play drive-ins, then they would become faded, and they'd be scratchy, and then they'd throw them away, and that would be it. Wow. Because they, they were all full of nudity, so you couldn't sell them to network television or, or local television. And nobody, this was long before video cassettes or anything right. was in anybody's mind. And yet they've had this shelf life, which is astounding. I mean, this movie was, you know, it's, it's, it's like a documentary of how we made movies at New yeah, World Pictures in the fantastic. 70s. And so all the production value came from the footage from other movies. Oh, well, I mean, our actors had costumes. Right, things, sure. But sure. they were the same costumes. That's and funny. the Death Race car was, we used that. And, yeah. you know, the, the, it's all borrowed stuff. It's all cheap. There's a Godzilla suit. Um, which was owned by a guy named Rob Short, and he said he'd loan it to us if he got to play Godzilla. We said okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but we had to, but in the credits it says Godzina. Godzina. Uh, of we, course. We didn't want Toho to sue us. Right. So right. It was right. Godzilla's Godzina. <laughs> I love. I love that that can happen in the world. The guy will not only give you the Godzilla suit, but. Will actually give you the free labor as well, and, and think he's getting a deal. Well, right, that, right. That, was, that was true with the, with the Robbie the Robot too. You know, people anybody owned Robbie the Robot, they would just say, "Yeah, you can have him, but I want to play him." Who owned him at that time? Uh, I think the same guy. Because mm. now doesn't Bill Malone own? No, Bill just sold his. Oh, he just sold. He just had an auction. Oh, okay. I don't know what he got for it, but apparently mm. it was pretty hefty. Oh, good, good for him. Um, and then matinee. Well, there of is another. Yes, matinee, yeah. which, matinee is which is a, a classic, beautiful, beautiful. beautiful well, film. matinee came from the fact that uh, there was a script that a, a, a writer named Jericho um, brought in. It was a, a movie about a, a bunch of people re, uh, reassembling at, an, at the old movie house that they used to go to when they were little, which has now become a video store. And they reminisce about when they used to go to this movie theater, and it was, and they imagine in their reminiscences that the ticket tape taker was a vampire and that the projectionist was a werewolf and, and, and it, it was and the movie that's playing is Mant half man half which man, is brilliant terror. yes but that's the only thing that's left from that script is Mant it's in Mant. the movie theater mm-hmm. everything else when Charlie Haas came on uh, because we couldn't sell it I mean it's not no. that we didn't try but we couldn't nobody yeah. wanted it and we uh, decided to make a movie set in the, during the Cuban Missile Crisis and um, so it's a very personal movie for me because I was exactly the same age as the kid in the movie during the Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. but I didn't live in Key West, mm-hmm. which I'm glad I didn't live in Key West. Yeah. Uh, and also no no horror movie makers ever came to my home th- hometown right. theater. So in Ed Naha did a draft, and in his draft, um, there was a horror movie actor who came uh, on a tour uh, to, the, to the theater. But then we changed it to a director. Like a William Castle. Like a William Castle. Yeah. And so uh, Universal, we had some money, uh, and Universal said that we distributed. Um, we started, went down to, to Florida, started to do pre-production, and every Tuesday the money would be supposed to arrive, and the money wouldn't arrive, and Universal would say, "Okay, well, we'll front you money for this week." And after that happened, like you know, many times, uh, it became apparent there wasn't any other money, and Universal was either going to have to step up to the plate 
for all the money they already spent and just take over the movie or we're going to go go home. Yeah. And uh, in a, a decision that I'm sure they regret to this day, <laughs> uh, they actually said, okay, passion has won out over reason. Wow, fantastic. How rare is that? In yeah, I, I remember this was and, and, and when we showed the movie to Tom Pollock, he said, it's not bad, but how am I going to sell it? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I really am very grateful to them for letting me make that picture. I love it. Otherwise, it never could have happened. The, That's the a beautiful scene, film. The scene where John Goodman walks to the theater and just talks about the joy of a movie theater is... It's great. It's beautiful. It's just it's it's And also the I fear think. of living... The fear of living in a world where any moment... You, everybody could die. Yes, and now we're getting, yeah, we're getting back like, in touch with that. I yeah, don't even yeah. remember what uh, that must no, have No, we been thought like. when I was in school, if an airplane flew over, we thought we'd just wait for the whistle because we assumed they all had bombs. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it was, I, when I think back at how paranoid a period it was, it's yeah. amazing. And it, it sort of ended with Kennedy's assassination. Mm -hmm. uh, then that, that's when the 60s really appeared. Everything else was the, the 50s up until that yeah. moment. Yeah. But the Cuban Missile Crisis, we really didn't think. We, when we went home on Friday from school, we didn't think there'd be any school on Monday wow. or Tuesday or Wednesday or, or any other day. Wow. Now, let me ask you this question. When you were shooting Mant, were you just in hog heaven? <laughs> we shot Mant first. Oh, really? we shot the rest oh, of the movie cool. because we needed to project it. Yeah. And so we shot about 25 minutes of Mant with... Kevin McCarthy and William Shallert and Robert Cornthwaite, who was the scientist. In yeah, he's great. Uh, and I said to these guys, don't take billing. It's much better if you just don't take billing. And Kathy Moriarty, of course. And, um, and this guy, Mark McCracken, who was very funny, who was the guy in the manhood. <laughs> and uh, a lot of it was scripted. Some of it was ad-libbed. Uh -huh. And the John Hora shot it exactly like a 50s. It looked so movie. authentic. Yeah. It looks, and the, it looks with like the scrims it. and the lighting and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And it's a little bit of a cheat because William Castle didn't really make any big bug movies. Uh -huh. and, and 1962 was a little late for that mm -hmm. kind of a movie. But we took license. And yes, it was, a lot, it was a lot of fun. And a lot of the dialogue is verbatim from Burt Gordon movies. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's just great. verbatim. And, so and it was it was it was a, it was a labor of love. And then when it came to the the, the monster, the, the man, the giant man, we didn't want to make it look crappy because when we went to these movies when we were kids, we wanted the monsters to look good. Yeah, we didn't look for matte lines. We didn't look for you know. It had to be pretty crappy for us to say, well, wait a minute, that's stupid. Yeah, you know, we wanted it to be real, and so we kind of did it sort of state of the art from that period. Yeah, and it's, the joke is that he's a giant ant. The joke is not that he's a bad giant ant. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's great. So anyway, it was surprising. Of course, it didn't make any money when it came out, but um, they, being a universal picture, they opened it wide, which was, you know, it should have been a Miramax kind of opening sure. where they just opened it here and there. But in any case, uh, as I said, I was very grateful that they allowed us to do it. And, and because of home video, more people have seen the picture now than certainly ever saw it in a theater. And, uh, you know, it's emblematic of many pictures from my generation of directors who worked during the 80s and uh, whose movies were either considered disappointments or outright flops, but no one remembers now because they became so popular on home video. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, it's such a good film. Um, I love it. I, yeah, no, I have a great double feature with Ed Wood. Yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, which I also love Ed Wood. Yeah. That's a great film. Yeah, yeah, that is great. also one of the great movies we're making. Movies. Yes. Another movie, yes. We did. That's on my list here. Uh, I know. Oh, are you going to run through the rest? Let just me just run through the names. Are you? We have to wrap up? Is yeah. that the idea? Right, yeah. I'm just going to throw out the names Joe of the, the movies. You can always cut it shorter. Here are, just, here are just titles. <laughs> just, say, just say something about each one. Boogie Nights. 
Boogie Nights. That's about movies. It's about movies. Porno <laughs> movies. And Burt Bur- Reynolds. That, that's right. Those are movies. Okay. This we movie... could have we could have done an entire show of just movies about movies with Burt Reynolds, and we could have just that's true. That's true. Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, now, this movie isn't a movie about making movies, but it is a movie about movies to a certain degree, and that's the Last Picture Show. Oh well, okay. which I love that movie. That's a bit of a stretch. That is a little bit of a stretch. That's probably, a great, great movie. Probably so. But the, but the movie theater I thought you were going to say cinema part of it is right. Is, I thought you were going to say cinema Paradiso. That's on my list. Uh-huh. Uh, so Singing in the Rain, great movie about movies. Sure. Um, Mulholland Drive is one of my favorite movies about movies. Oh, uh, I love that yes. movie. Mulholland Drive is about everything. Yeah, yes, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cameraman, great. Great movie about making movies. Buster Keaton. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. Well, and if you're going to, then you got to do. Sherlock Jr.? Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So those are great movies about movies. Sure. Um, it should be a TCM series. Movies it should about movies. be. It should be. <laughs> it should be. Uh, Harold Lloyd made a great movie about movies called Movie Crazy. That's right. I've never um, seen Movie Crazy. Which is a great it's movie. Good. Is it? Is it, a, is it a short or is it a? It's a feature. It's, it's a feature. Um, the uh, The Party. Is not a movie about movies, but it is a movie, a movie about Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. But Peter Sellers. That's but that. Them. That one goes with my with my After the Fox, where I just uh, no, I love like, Peter Sellers, it's but fu- it's better than After the Fox. Yeah, okay. I okay. I will tell you this. Um, you Only a little. Probably, racist. you know, times are different now. I don't think you could have. He couldn't play that character. Yeah, you can't yeah. play that character. And he played that character often because he did it in Road to Hong Kong too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't do that now, but. Do, we, do you want to tell people what you're... You, Peter Sellers is Indian. an Indian. Peter Sellers plays a... a right. Indian. And he's very funny in the movie, but it's culturally insensitive. Sure. Uh, 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 but um, he's... Putting it mildly. Yeah, but, he, but it's a funny movie. And it the, the sequences where they're making the Gunga Din movie at the beginning of the and movie... He blow, and he blows up the... Uh, hilarious. Hilarious. It's, it's great. Um, okay. Uh, Argo is a movie about ma- making yes. a movie. I think that's a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Here's a you know people don't think about this as a movie about mo- making a movie but it's true King Kong. Uh-huh. A movie that's right. About making oh, a movie. Carl yes, Denham, my favorite is. director. Yeah. <laughs> now you see him and you're frightened. <laughs> Scream. <laughs> uh, the I thought when I was first uh, uh, making independent movies that Living in Oblivion was a Liv- very good I movie. I kept waiting for yeah. that to come up. Yeah. Living in Oblivion is is incredible. It is. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's a great time capsule too. Yes, it, it a great really time is. Of that whole yeah. thing, Peter it's Dinklage. Like, now, that, now that is a good double bill with Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they well, <laughs> okay. and the, and there's a uh, the, the dream sequence. Oh, where, where they're keeps... all they're the recording uh, room tone. Yeah. Oh no, the green dream sequence with Peter Dinklage. No, no, the the, the room tone stuff. Oh, that that's keeps, great. Yeah, that's it, great. It remi- I have a, I have a uh, so. Um, I directed one movie, a tiny little horror film years ago, and my friend Daniel Waters uh, directed his first film around the same time. And we had a conversation once where I mentioned that um, while I was shooting every night, I had the same dream. And I would wake up in my hotel room, uh, and it was the hotel room I had gone to bed in, and everything was as it should be. Uh-huh. And there were people in the room, and I realized it was the crew because I had completely forgotten we'd lost the location, and I had said, you can use my room. <laughs> and the crew was walking around pre-lighting without waking me up. Aww. And it didn't matter if I'd gone to bed in a three-piece suit. I was somehow stark naked. Of course. And I had to get out of my of bed into the bathroom yeah. without alerting my crew to my nudity. 
Now, that, and, that should be a scene in a movie. Well, I kept waking up halfway from the bedroom to the bathroom every morning, five minutes before my alarm went off. And I told Dan this. And Dan said, that's insane. I had the same dream while he was making his film. And we laughed. And then a couple of days later, a friend of ours, a journalist, was very excited. He was interviewing Terry Gilliam. And he really wanted to do a good job of it because he loved Gilliam more than he was just his favorite director. He's done a ton of director interviews, but he's never gotten to talk to somebody of this stature. And he goes, please, I have to ask a question that just isn't the same question. You know, that he all, what can I, and Dan and I both went, ask him what he dreams when he's directing. That would be, that would be from Gilliam of all people. And so he asked Terry Gilliam in the middle of the interview, he said, what do you dream about when you're directing? And Gilliam looked at him very seriously. He said, that might be the stupidest question (laughs) has ever asked me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a good question. I I think I, I, I find that I'm, if I'm in the middle of a movie, I will actually dream the same thing over and over and over. And it's always about a take that didn't work and doing it again. Uh, and I think it's because it, it, that's what it, you do. it saves your creativity oh. so that you don't waste your creativity on other dreamy things. You just have this one task that you have to fulfill over and over. When I am directing, I always dream, without fail, that I'm, as soon as I fall asleep, I'm dreaming I'm back on the set Still directing the same movie, but everything's going wrong in the dream. Yeah, it always goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I wake up, I never wake up feeling refreshed because I've just had a very stressful night's dreams of right. on the same and set. And now you have to go, to, you go, back yeah, to, have to go to the real set. Yeah, exactly. Okay. A um, couple other movies on the list to just throw out there. Contempt. Oh. Which is a great movie. Yes. About movies. Yep. Great movie. And, and just beautiful. Fritz Lang out. is yeah, in Fritz, it for yeah. God's sakes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Bridget Shot in Bardot's. the Mediterranean, I think, yeah. isn't that where it's Brid- just beautiful? Yeah, beautiful look looking, and lush. Bridget Bardot looks amazing. And yep, I love that movie. And Jack Palance is great as a yeah. asshole right. producer. Yep. Um, this movie I have a soft spot for. Man bites dog. Oh, oh. sure. <laughs> yeah. I hope I never see that again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, great movie. Once, once is definitely once enough is for me. It's for those who haven't seen it. It's a movie about a serial killer who's being followed around by a documentary crew, and little by little they get sucked into helping and it's very violent it's very it's, it's very vile as well. it's, it's weirdly, also it's very vile funny it, but it's i find it weirdly funny well, the scene where they run into the other crew that's yes. following the other guy and they have a and yeah. The, yeah i i find it to be very funny but very 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 dark you're right yeah. um okay I, I should have known when i was i was making uh, looney tunes and and uh, i went to the, uh, the my first meeting with the head of the studio was in charge of the movie and i on his wall he had this gigantic poster for Man Bites Dog. At Warner Brothers? At Warner Brothers. Wow. And, and, and the poster is, the, 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 the hero of the movie is like shooting down, shooting down into it, the yeah. bottom of the poster and from the bottom of the poster, blood and a baby rattle yeah. are coming out. Right. And I, right. I should have thought, what an omen this is. Because it was <laughs> a miserable funny. experience. <laughs> um, Peeping Tom. Oh, yeah. Classic movie right. about... Well, yeah. sure, that's sort of... Yeah, yeah. why not? In oh, the no, same vein. No, yes. Same yeah. vein as yep. Man Bites yep. Dog. Yep. Perhaps a little more artfully uh, crafted, but yes. I mean... I maybe more watchable. Yeah, definitely. But, Destroyed uh, Michael Powell's career. Yeah, isn't that weird? I mean, uh, I read all about that, that they that they thought it was it's, so depraved. It's so funny that it's so depraved, because, you know, it, it wasn't that much more depraved than the Hammer films that were coming yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. At the weird. time, but I think it's... The, but it's the, serious. It's the, but it's also the sex. Ah. It's the, the fact that he was making under-the-cover... But it's not fun. I mean, there, there's, uh, you know, maybe if you're six, you go to a Hammer film and you're terrified. But those movies are fun. They're a frolic. Peeping Tom is a very disturbing. It's dark. Yeah. Okay. Here's my last stretch on okay. my list. The Big Picture, the Chris Guest movie. Yes. Oh, great movie. Sure. About funny movies. Movie. Yeah. 
Great stuff about studio executives. Really great. And I love that uh, um, uh, Kevin uh, Bacon plays a... Uh, a film student. Film student who made a successful student film and now is being courted by the studios. And every time he has a meeting at the studio, it's the same office, but whoever is the new executive has redesigned the office <laughs> with all new decor. It's really very funny. Also, there's that small moment because it was at the height of the uh, the colorization controversy. Remember John Cleese is the yeah. bartender. Yeah. And there's a TV set and it's showing It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yeah. I think, is this Cleese's only scene in the film? I don't know. And remember. he looks at the TV, he goes, that's not right. And he whacks it. And this was back when they had antennas. And the image shakes and now it's the colorized version. Uh, well, yeah, that's, yeah. And, that's and, better. And, yeah. and unfortunately, I was shooting Grumman's 2 at the time. And I, too, had a colorization joke oh, about, no. about uh, It's a it's Wonderful life. life. And I had to cut it out. Oh, no. Because oh, no. I realized that they beat us to the punch. It looked like we stole their jokes. Oh, man. I, I'm you sorry. You can still man. see it in the movie. It's, I didn't it, mean to bring that up, Joe. You can I'm see sorry. it in the movie. In, 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 uh, in, in Daniel Clamp's office, there's a, a bunch of TV screens. And at one point, they're playing a black and white one. And then it cuts away. And then it comes, and it's in color. And the, the, the missing pieces. There's there's a bar in Burbank called the Red Door, which is a lovely place, wonderful ambience, and they have uh, all the TVs on the wall are playing black and white movies, and even even the recent films. For instance, sometimes <laughs> they'll be showing The Godfather, and they turn they the color the off, yeah. <laughs> so they're all black. Yes, right. yes. Okay, badass, badass. Mario Mario Van Peebles. Oh, oh Mario Van Peebles. About, yeah, of course. About his dad, yes, about his dad. That's Melvin. a very good picture. And that's what's, actually what's really remarkable about that movie is that it's a really, really, really cheap movie. And they managed to do the period yeah. by basically being in small rooms and corners and yeah. not seeing off the side of the, the building. And you know, it's it's so it's a very claustrophobic movie because of that. But it's a very clever movie. It's really I thought good. so. And he he yeah. clearly is a labor of love. He's he uh, Mario Van Peebles is making a movie about his dad making sweet, sweet the movie sweet sweet, 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 sweet facts yeah. badass song. Yep. Uh, and and a, a young kid plays young Mario Van Peebles. I thought it was terrific. Uh, Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, sure. About, yeah. Defoe, yeah. That's a kind of surreal version about the making of yep. a real movie, mm-hmm. but they kind of go into a weird direction. I like it. Bowfinger. Bowfinger. is very funny. Yep. Very funny movie. Gods and Monsters, I think, is a good movie about yes. making movies. Yes, yes. About uh, uh, James, James Whale well. making... Uh, uh, adaptation, I love. You don't love Adaptation? I don't know why. I You know what... Um, Here's my problem. I think a lot of... Uh, uh, well, you're a screenwriter. You tell me. I mean, I, I remember seeing that film going... Because I think every writer I know, myself included, at some point or another, you found yourself in that place. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck, I'm just going to write a movie about me trying to write this shitty book. And then, of course, you can't. But he did. And then you go, <laughs> you go wait a minute, you're allowed to do that? You son well, now, of a Not anymore, because he did. And now you're not allowed to anymore. <laughs> By the way, that script for adaptation, when it was going around, I, n- I never just read a script that somebody has buzzed about but for some reason that script was going around people say you should read this script it's really good and i remember reading it and thinking this is super clever and and uh i remember the script version of the script i read at the time the third act had a swamp monster in it which they had cut out oh but uh anyway i i, I like that movie a lot who framed roger rabbit sure great movie about great. hollywood yeah. la confidential yep. has a lot of good movie making mm-hmm. stuff in it cinema paradiso we brought up uh, Blair Witch Project is a movie about making a movie. Oh, I wouldn't call that. Oh. I wouldn't call that a movie. <laughs> That's a, now you're just listing movies right. about movies. These are there's two me. versions of A Star Is Born that are about making a movie about Hollywood, Wait, not about like the music industry. Well, the the Star Is Born 37. With okay, Fred sure. Yeah. And, and and 54. And 54 right, okay. with Judy yes, Garland and James Mason. Yes, I always go to the traumatic one. In the music business again. 
the new one's the music new business. Remake, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they, I think the they the new one they forgot that the original ones were movies. Yeah. Sob. <laughs> Wait, so they're remaking yeah. the Streisand? A Star yes, Wars? Yes, they are yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sob is great. Sob is great. Sob is pretty right yeah. off ten. He made yeah. Sob. Well, but he's and also there's a lot of bitterness in that movie. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lifetime's yeah. worth of yeah. Well, clearly, I guess he just SLB. yeah, yeah. And you get to see Mary Poppins boobs in that movie. So. That is correct. Um, <laughs> Leave it to him to elevate the conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Swimming with sharks. That movie's oh, made for yeah. nothing. Yeah, yep. that's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, speaking of old movies about Hollywood, Bombshell. Oh yeah, Gene Harlow. There are probably not a lot of people who've seen that one. I've never. Gene Harlow at her pre code. Gene okay. Harlow. Very ah, sexy. I'm in. Chaplin. Um, which is, I wouldn't say I love the movie. It's but a it's, little reverent for my taste. Yeah, but it's fun to see old movies being made. Uh, anyway, the the movie about movies that I want to see that hasn't been made yet. You you're gonna you're gonna throw this out there. Or I am. Someone, you're not gonna do it then. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. There's a script that, that I was at. at uh, oh, oh, I sorry. In... I thought you were going to pitch a great idea that no, someone no. could steal. Yes. Once again, we are we, both going to team up and right. we are going to. Uh, we were uh, at a stage tell Joe reading. how much we love him. We were at a stage yes. reading of a, of a movie called The Man with the Classical oh, Vibes. Yes. Yes. That Joe Dante is going to be directing. Continuing my trend and my oeuvre. About, a movie about Roger Corman making the movie The Trip. That's true. And we are still working on that. It's actually not dead. It's uh, got the people who paid for the reading are um, working on it. And it, basically what it comes down to is how much can they afford to make a picture like that for yeah. for that audience, you know, for right. people who don't know who Roger is. Right. Now, hopefully it's entertaining if you don't know, but it helps to, to know. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's they're budgeting it, basically. And now let me ask you figure this: figure out a way to do it for a, a, a certain price. We can do it, and the parts are really good. So I think we can get good people. It's a, I it's think a that script. the staged reading, the, the uh, Bill Hader played uh, Roger Corman so perfectly. Yeah, is no. that is he is he if he ever if he ever becomes available again? Oh wow, God, he <laughs> was so good. Guy. I've I never ever. Thought he would be that good. No, no, it, was, it was shocking, and, and it he was, loved doing it. I he mean, had. He that. said, "I can't believe I'm playing Roger Corman." That's so great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's one scene in there that that you can't talk about without giving stuff away, but uh, that is so wonderful. It yeah, just, I, I almost wept to see it. Uh, Red, I would well, love to I see know. that. I'm film. excited to see that movie. Well, well, boys and girls, just send your Kickstarter money to the Trailer from Hell podcast. <laughs> yes, and you too can be a producer. <laughs> Absolutely, the man <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, thank Adam Rifkin, for coming in and talking and about... Thank you for all the homework. Not uh, just no your problem. favorite movies about movies, but all movies I about movies. I couldn't stop. It's by the encyclopedic. Way, <laughs> by the way, is, yes. at a certain point, I just stopped. Because there's a lot <laughs> more movies more. about and movies. We, have, we didn't even hit the foreign ones. Yeah, at all. Oh, yeah, exactly. God, yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about Day for Night. Day for we Night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. of course. Of course. Anyway, come back. Uh, well, thank you for joining us. Yes, we'll come back. We'll do the foreign ones. That would be great. Our show is recorded in Hollywood, California, at the crossroads of the world. We are the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is Don Barrett, who also wrote, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for The Movies That Made Me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. 
Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.